This is episode 520 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's podcast episode is a very special one, an interview with Mark Goodwin of Prepper Recon. Hey everyone, I am Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. It's a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, this episode is sponsored by the HydroBlue VersaFlow water filter. Now, the VersaFlow is one of the most versatile water filters currently made. Not only can you use it for your own personal water filter needs, but you can use it to create a family-sized water filter. The VersaFlow filters up to 100,000 gallons. Now, if you'd like to watch the video on how to use the kit that comes with the VersaFlow to make the family size water filter, or if you would like to download a free PDF on how to do that, then you can come over to prepperwebsite.com forward slash VersaFlow. I also have a link in the show notes to get right over there. And the other thing to remember is there is a coupon code for 20% off of the VersaFlow, which makes this an even better deal. So hopefully you'll look at that and take advantage of that. Again, prepperwebsite.com forward slash VersaFlow, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Well, guys, like I said at the very beginning, this is a very special podcast episode. I got to interview Mark Goodwin of Prepper Recon about his new book, Cyber Armageddon. And really, we talked a little bit about that, but we talked a lot about cybersecurity. And so this is a very important topic. Uh, you know, the world that we live in, it's changed. It's even changed from 15 years ago. And so we need to concern ourselves a little bit more with some of these topics. So I hope you enjoy this one. It's a little bit longer than usual, but it's all very good. So without a further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Mark Goodwin of Prepper Recon. All right, Mark. Hey, I am so glad that you are back on the Prepper Website podcast. How are you? Todd, I'm great, and it's so good to be back on. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, I was looking back at the archives, and you were on episode 103. Actually, that was a, a two-parter, right? Uh, episode 103 and 104 back in July 2017. I listened to a little bit of that, and uh, if anyone is interested in listening to that episode, I'm going to link to it in the show notes and so you can go check it out. Uh, Mark shares a lot of his background and you know we get into a lot of that. But back then your wife was pregnant. So tell us, you know, by now definitely, you know, you're a father. Tell us what it's like, man. Oh, wow, that was so long ago. So right now, uh yeah, our baby's uh she's she's got all her teeth except the the back molars and uh those are coming in now, so that's 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 great fun but yeah she that's just it seems like uh eons ago now uh being a father and thinking about thinking back to to those times but yeah it's a it's a real joy and uh she's just smart as a whip and she helps me build fires in the fireplace and uh and uh she's just uh she picks up on stuff really really good and and i think she's gonna be a great prepper 
<laughs> Does she have you wrapped around her finger yet? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> when she when she points at the at the computer and says bye bye, I know that it's time to go put the uh, the bye bye black sheep uh, video on, and we're going to be watching that for the next twenty thirty minutes. <laughs> That's great, man. That's great. Well, you know, you you've got a kid, and so your whole focus on preparedness is a little bit uh, changed now, right? Uh, I've got kids. And for me, when I prep, that's one of the things that I, I think about. I think about my family. I think about, about my wife, my kids, and my extended family and all of that. And so I really wanted to talk about this new book that you that you just came out with, um, Rise of the Locust. And uh, it's part book one of Cyber Armageddon. I, I love the fact that you always do series because I, I love I just love to follow characters in, in a series. But in this book, you know, this this um, the the main uh, character, uh, Kate McCarthy, she's got a family with kids and and man, it, it's so interesting. But the whole premise of it is around this cyber Armageddon, right? This this uh, cyber security threat. Um, it, when I was when I first saw it, I was like that that really resonated with me because I know I mean, a lot of people know that listen to the podcast uh, they know that I, I work in education, and that has become a really big deal for educators. Is making sure that our networks are se- uh, secure, that students' uh, information is secure. So I'm just curious. Out of all the scenarios that you could have possibly written about, you know, this new book, why did you choose cybersecurity? You know, from your standpoint. Well, it's certainly one of the threats that I think is uh, often overlooked. You don't, you don't, you don't see a whole lot of prepper books about it. Um, you know, EMP and CME are, are are the big ones, and those are really, really catastrophic. And I think they're, you know, they're everything goes away. We're we're instantly plunged back into the 1800s. But I, I'm not sure that a cyber Armageddon, uh, if it was executed properly couldn't be almost as catastrophic as that um, if we if we lost our ability to, for for commerce you know that's it you have no more you have no way of of of, uh, of trading then then whatever food you've got in the refrigerator at the time that's that's all you have and uh, you know you talked about prepping with kids as a father Todd what wouldn't you do? to make sure those kids had food in their stomachs when they're saying, dad, I'm hungry. Dad, how are we going to eat? You know, my belly hurts. You know, as a father, you think about those words and you think about hearing your children say that to you. And that's, that's heart wrenching stuff right there. And that's the type of thing that will push people that are normally decent, good human beings to go out and do things that they would have never fathomed doing before. And, uh, you know, it's so much easier to just, be prepared and and have the things on hand that you're going to need to to get your family by without having to uh, resort to those uh, unthinkable tasks. It's interesting that you say that because I, I say the same thing. You know, you don't want your kids looking at you in a time in an emergency crisis looking at you because you're going to be the one that they have always come to for the answers. And so, you know, like you said, there's uh, all this crisis is going on. Kids can feel it. They know when parents are stressed out. They know when things are going on. And so, you know, th- this crisis is going on. They're going to be looking to you. And you want to be able to at least 
feel comfortable to say, hey, guys, you know what? We've got food. We've got water. We, we've got a means to, to, to defend ourselves. You know, we, we're okay for the time being. And how important would that be for fathers and, and for mothers and parents to be able to, and grandparents, right? I know a lot, I've heard just because of the podcast from a lot of people who are preparing for their, for their kids and their grandkids because their grand, their, their kids aren't really looking into this and seeing how important this threat is, you know, and whatever threat is out there because our world is so fragile. So, when you when you started writing about cybersecurity, did you just start writing, or did you you know how much research did you do about this topic? I I, I watched hours and hours and hours of video. Uh, there's uh, one of the one of the conventions that I mentioned in the book is called DefCon, and they've been around for uh, more than a couple of decades now, and they. Their their primary focus is cybersecurity, hacking, and that sort of thing. And uh, every year they have a, a conference out in Las Vegas, and all the computer nerds that are that are into hacking and and that sort of thing, they all go to that that conference. And most of those talks are uh, are up on YouTube, and you can just sit and 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 geek out and and watch that stuff for hours. But you know if you're you know if you're not researching a book and that's not something you want to do um you know there's a a a movie called zero days that's about the stuxnet virus and uh, that's a really really good uh primer for for uh cyber vulnerabilities if you want to learn about um how vulnerable we are Uh, of course ted koppel he's you know um probably a little further on the left than than uh most of the folks we we typically follow but he wrote uh lights out and you know his premises that that russia and and china and uh and uh they're already in all of the SCADA systems controlling um a lot of the u.s infrastructure and of course uh one of the things we learned from stuxnet is that the abilities for cyber attack goes far beyond the ability to just uh, lock somebody out of their computer or erase data. Um, but of course, in, a, in, in the information age that we live in, erasing data or locking somebody out of their computer altogether, uh, encrypting all of their information, um, that, that can be very, very catastrophic. But Stuxnet showed us that you can cause physical harm to, uh, to infrastructure and machinery. One of the things that the Stuxnet virus did uh, to the Iranian centrifuges in their their plutonium enrichment plant is it caused those centrifuges to, to spin out of control, to overheat, and to basically burn them out. So they actually damaged the equipment, and it put it put Iran back uh, years and years on their, their nuclear enrichment program. So... Um, it's not just it's not just uh, you know messing up somebody's data. It can actually cause physical harm to uh, the infrastructure. So that could be that could be deployed against against uh, against uh, hydroelectric dams. It could be deployed against um, uh, nuclear uh, power plants, um, reducing stations, uh, transformers. They could be hit with 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 surges. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff that can actually be done to cause physical damage by it, by a cyber attack. And all of that is because 
everything is tied to the internet, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, but Stuxnet, the the Iranian the the Iran Iranian uh, centrifuges that were attacked by Stuxnet were actually air gapped. So that means that. Everything in that facility is completely offline. It's nothing in there is connected to the internet. So what happened is that whoever, and this is the other thing about cyber, uh, is there, there's never a smoking gun. You know, if, uh, and of course we're, we've, we've now re-entered the Cold War with Russia and there's all of this rhetoric about who's got the, the fastest hypersonic missiles and all of that. You know, Putin was out, uh, uh, threatening with, uh, with his submarine based, uh, launched hypersonic missiles. He was talking about that last week. You know, they're, they're a vanguard supposedly travels at, uh, Mach 27, which, you know, Mach is, is the, the speed of sound. So Mach 27 is 27 times the speed of sound. So I think wow. that's somewhere in the vicinity of 20, 20,000 miles an hour. Uh, of course, our Trident D5s, I think they, they do Mach 24. Um, so I don't think there's any kind of a defense system that's going to stop a missile cruising at, at, at Mach 20, much less Mach 24, Mach 27. So, uh, you know, but with that, you've got mutually assured destruction. And, you know, if, if I, and you know exactly what the origin of that attack is. So if Russia launches missiles at us, we're going to launch all our missiles at, at them, and there's just going to be no more Earth. Uh, it's a little different with cyber because you don't know exactly where that attack came from. And so uh, there's a lot of speculation that would say uh, the the NSA and uh, Israeli Mossad are the ones that developed this program to attack these Iranian centrifuges. But you never really have a, a smoking gun. So um, what they did is they made – Multiple, they had, they made just millions and millions of copies of Stuxnet, and they were just dumping it on any kind of machine that that they could get it on, and uh, and the virus was just spreading from machine to machine to machine, and it ended up getting in one of the one of the the uh, service companies that that did like some diagnostics on their. On uh, maybe on their 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 air conditioning equipment or something like that, and so they came into the facility, and and infected one machine in the in the facility, and then when the virus finally found the 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 uh, the hardware that it was supposed to attack, then it activated. So they wow. weren't even online; they were completely air gapped away from the internet. Nobody in there had internet access that was it was not any way wired to the world wide web, but just from from one computer infecting the next to the next to the next to the next, infecting flash drives and uh and and uh, and just jumping from from machine to machine to machine, it eventually got to the target that it was that it was written for and uh and took out their their um, basically, their entire uh, nuclear program. That, so, that's and, and this is years and years ago, Todd. So, right, uh, this is just what we know about. So, there's so many things that we don't know about. Uh, the the NSA hacking tools that were leaked. Um, 
I guess they were leaked about three years ago. And then somebody, once again, a lot of speculation that says it was Russia, uh, developed those those tools into the WannaCry virus, which hit last year and disrupted um, auto manufacturing in Europe. It shut down the entire healthcare system for for the United Kingdom. Um, it shut down uh, FedEx shipping. It shut down um, telecommunications in Spain. Um, there were there were several banks in Russia that were hit. Of course, you know, uh, if Russia wrote the program, why would banks in Russia get hit unless it's something to just say, hey, look, you know, we, we were affected by it too, so obviously it couldn't have been us. Right, right. So, you know, you, you just don't know. And, uh, and we don't really know what else was leaked from the NSA, um, shuffled around, sold off by the, the shadow brokers. So we don't know what kind of, uh, uh, vulnerabilities are even out there because, you know, the folks over at, at, at Fort Meade, they don't really have, uh, a reputation for, for transparency <laughs> when they have accidents and they get hacked and they have leaks. Uh, we don't really hear about it until after the fact. So, but the, the thing is, is that there could be, viruses there could be malicious software on a lot of our infrastructure software already right just kind of just waiting well that's ted koppel's premise is it's already there that at at and you know if if things were to escalate between us and russia which they are escalating um th- they could shut down our grid tomorrow wow and, yeah. i mean that's i mean it's it's a real dry read. I'm going to be honest. I could not get through uh, his book, you know. But uh, if you're if you're a technical person and you like reading technical man manuals and and uh, it, that's uh, it'll it'll tell you what the threat is and how real it is, and it'll tell you that 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 it's already been hacked. The virus is already there. The reason the lights are still on is because they they just don't have the motive to turn them off. Right. It hasn't been. But there's nothing. Yet. It has nothing to do with ability. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that about the book because I I was real close to buying it the other day and uh, on Audible. So I'm really glad that uh, that you that I didn't do that after hearing you say that it was really dry because it, it it would be hard to go from listening to like you know uh, like your book. And then going into a really dry book. So, but listen, after you did all this research and you watched the videos and you're writing about this, did any of your thoughts and ideas change about your, you know, cybersecurity and about the way that you're doing things? Uh, I don't know if it changed. It changed the way I do things a whole lot. One of the things it did do is it did help me understand how worried uh, people in the know are. Mm. This. There's this misconception that I think a lot of people have that says um, the government's got everything under control, and 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 that's not true. When you get into the cybersecurity field, especially within government, um, you know uh, those people those people either have a profound faith in God or they're on some type of anxiety medication because otherwise they just wouldn't be sleeping at night. 
I mean, it's yeah. that bad. And that's, that's just, that's just the common knowledge. That's just, that's just what they live with. You know, it's for everybody else. It's ignorance is bliss. And, and I don't think that people understand that so much. People are, you know, it, like I said, the more or less the, the, the common misconception is that, uh, whatever it is, the, the government can protect us from it. And, and they've got all this under control. They don't have it under control. They know they don't have it under control. And they are, uh, you know, they're just white in the face from fear over this. It, yeah, because everybody is vulnerable. I mean, when when you break it down the way you're breaking it down, the, you're vul- and you don't even know when the attack can come. I mean, just like you said, right? You, you see the missiles coming, although they would be coming so fast. But in something like this, man, it could just be sparked just because of some, you know, code that or some trigger that is sent for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, that I can I can see where that would freak a lot of people out. You know, my coworker was contacted by our security team, and I, I don't know if it was just a random thing, but they found her email on the dark web. And so they called her and she was a little concerned and they're like, Hey, look, we found your email and things that you were doing maybe at work. Like if you were ch- checking your bank statements or you were paying bills or, or whatever you were doing, you need to make sure that you go and you change all of that information because that your information right now is at least your email and probably more is out there on the dark web somewhere. And yeah, people, I mean, that's probably things that people haven't even heard about, you know, talking about that. Right. Yeah. Even, even down to the title of the book, Cyber Armageddon. I didn't come up with that term. That's, you know, James Clapper came up with that term. I'm not a big James Clapper fan after he told Congress, lied bold faced to them and said that the NSA is not collecting data on American citizens, you know. Uh, but when he says that, that cyber Armageddon is a very, very real threat and people need to pay attention and be ready for it, uh, I do believe him on that because he's one of those people that's in the know that understands how bad this threat is. Yeah. Okay. So the, with this threat being so bad and you having the knowledge that you have and, you know, people that are listening to this podcast some of them might not even think it's that big of a deal, right? I mean, they go to Facebook, they go to Pinterest, they're doing email, maybe they're even doing, um, you know, their, their bank. Actually, just recently, I read an article by Martin Armstrong that said you should have one computer that all you do is your banking on and another computer for everything else. So do not mix them all together. Uh, you know, so I thought that was interesting coming, coming from him. But if you were talking to someone who just didn't have any clue about the cybersecurity or, or how big it could be or how bad it could get, and, you know, they're just, you know, you're a regular person, what, what kinds of things, what kind of takeaways would you want to tell them about cybersecurity and maybe what they're doing online? Well, I think that's probably a a, a very good tip that, that Martin Armstrong gave. Um, I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know how many people are going to go buy another computer. Most people won't even, you know, put their 
their their password as anything other than their pet's name or their kid's <laughs> birthday. So uh, I think it's unlikely a lot of people are going to go buy a, a, a dedicated machine simply for uh, banking. Um, I I use Kaspersky. Number one, because it was one of their techs that found Stuxnet. And number two, because nobody in the U.S. government will use it. So that makes me think, you know, they don't want, uh, you know, anybody at the Pentagon, they're not allowed to have Kaspersky. Uh, the official story is because they think that it's it's a Russian program and, and the Russians could be using it to, to spy on them. Uh, maybe that's the case. I don't think if that is the case, they're not going to be trying to hack my bank account. <laughs> Putin's not because <laughs> I don't have enough money to to interest him, uh, but uh, you know I think that they've probably they're they're one of the top rated uh, uh, antivirus antiviruses. Or, yeah. Yes, they are, and they're the the program comes with a you it, it opens up a separate a separate. Uh, secured window for banking and uh, you know making online purchases and things like that. So uh, I think it's a very comprehensive program. I, I like that. Um, I don't trust that. I don't trust my my entire livelihood to that. I think that it makes a lot of sense to keep a good portion of, especially if you've got everybody should have emergency fund. Um, I'll make a quick plug, real quick. Uh, if you go to Prepper Recon and click the the banner at the very top of the page, it says free PDF. Get my seven step survival plan. Uh, in that, I talk about uh, you know prioritizing your preparedness, and one of the top things I talk about is financial preparedness. And in that, I think that you need to have an emergency fund, and I think it makes sense uh, in in. Uh, with what we're talking about here, to keep that outside of the banking system. I don't think you should keep all of your money outside of the banking system because that's got its own set of risks. Uh, you know, you could have you could have a home invasion. Um, you could be burglarized, broken into. Even if you're keeping it in a safe, you know, they can come in with a jackhammer and, and pull your safe out of the house. So you should never have all your eggs in one basket. You know, that's just that's just common sense. But you should have some portion of it, a significant portion of it, outside of the banking system. So um, I, I think that's a really, really good uh, first starter. But uh, besides that, it's just everything else that you need to prepare for everything from a financial collapse to the zombie apocalypse, and that's food, water, security, uh, and shelter. Right. Okay. So it's, you know, no matter what kind of topic or scenario we're talking about, it always goes back to the basics, man. Have those those basics, and, you know, you need to make sure that you are you have a plan and you work in that plan. What would you say to someone that, you know, that reads your book or listens to your book on Audible and completely freaks out and says, I am going to do away with all my devices and all my computers and my internet and all of that. I'm just doing away with it. What would you say to that? Well, I think that then you've just start. You've just uh, you're you're just trying to circumvent Cyber Armageddon by creating your own Cyber Armageddon. So uh, I don't know if that's if that's. Some people that may be your reaction and, and, and you just say, okay, I'm just going to learn to get along without it. 
before I have to learn to get along without it. Well, I just that's not how I that's not how I deal with problems. I'd I'd rather, you know, try to mitigate things and make them to where they're less severe, where I'm less dependent on things, but uh, you know, I I I depend on 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 technology for my day-to-day life for for banking and uh for my job for for uh uploading, you know, books to Amazon. Uh if Amazon goes down then that's that's pretty much the the I'm going to have to find another another uh means of livelihood. So <laughs> and and I I've I, I always think about that, and I, I try to have a, a plan for that because I understand that, that is something that can happen. But uh, I'm not going to circumvent Cyber Armageddon by creating my own Cyber Armageddon. Yeah, we actually we talked about this today in one of my meetings that everything is so tied now, you know, with technology that it would be very hard not to get along. You know, something as simple as or, you know, banking, but even, uh, you know, paying bills and things like that, you know, just well, you it can't makes it forward so your, you can't even forward your mail without a credit card. If you want to forward your mail, the, the way they, 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 uh, prove that it's you forwarding your mail is by charging you a dollar and uh, five cents to forward your mail on a credit card with your name on it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's it's pretty impossible to get by. I mean, I'm sure you could do it, uh, but you'd be you'd be functioning at a a suboptimal level. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I've always mentioned is you don't want you don't want fear to be driving your life. And if if you manage to do that, then fear you know has the best of you there, and you, you don't want to do that. I mean, some people are always. Some people will never go out of town and go on vacation because they're afraid that there's going to be an EMP or they'd be away from their preps and, and different things like that. And you can't live like that. You know, right. you, you, you got to be able to to uh, to live life. So we've talked a little bit about the banking or you know money and banking system and uh, all of that stuff in your book. You know, the cybersecurity threat hits through the banking system. So how much of a possibility is this in reality? It's possible. Um, I will say that I think that the banking industry, because uh, they are attacked so regularly uh, by low-level criminals, that that you know, I forget who it was that said the reason I rob banks is because that's where the money is. You know, <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, so they they attack banks because that's where the money is. So so banks have to have a a higher level of uh, of uh, defense set up for for cyber attacks than a lot of other industries. Um, so I think that they're maybe a little bit more prepared. But if we lose our ability for banking and commerce, then then that is very very catastrophic, and and it's on the level of an EMP because uh, I think I, I mentioned it before in our conversation. Uh, without commerce, you're stuck with whatever's in your refrigerator. Right. So I guess do you in your research did you find that banks are really you know wh- what are they doing to guard against this kind of threat? I mean, in the book, the main character, you know, Kate McCarthy is kind of over this humongous team. I mean, the the way that I imagine it, 
you know, in the book. Of course, I'm listening to it, right? And the way that I'm imagining it, um, you know, there's this big, you know, or this elevated platform where she's kind of watching everything and a bunch of servers and people, you know, watching, watching computers and transactions and all of this kind of stuff. Is that the way, I mean, your research, is, is that the way it is or is that more, you know, kind of derived for the, for the book? Um, you know, or is there something in place specific that banks are doing that? I had, I've had a couple of readers that work in the IT space and the IS space that have uh, emailed me and said, yeah, that's, that's a fairly accurate description of, of what a, uh, a control room, IS control room looks like for, you know, the larger banks. So yeah, that's, that's, that's basically what they're doing. And that's basically why we have a banking system at all right now. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. And you know, it, and they have to get, they have to be on point every single day and they can't miss once. If they miss once, you know, that could be it. You think about, you think about all of the, uh, the Bitcoin, um, exchanges that have been hacked and, you know, millions and billions of dollars that have been siphoned off because they're not regulated and, you know, and they don't, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't have to, to, to have certain measures in place. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the, one of the, 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 the larger exchanges that, uh, that had offline storage, the one person that had the, they had the the password for everybody's money died, yeah, I, and nobody nobody else has that, the password. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. all those all that all that value and all those bitcoins is gone. So yeah, that, I mean that, that's, that's one of the, I think that's I think those those exchange hacks and uh, and all the money that's been stolen in Bitcoin is uh is one of the reasons that it's probably not a lot stronger as an alternative currency than what it is. Yeah. No, That's, and 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 I uh, you know I I'm a big fan of Martin Armstrong. I read a lot of his stuff. One of the things he always says is that the powers that be are not going to allow that. They're they're going to control that in one way or the other because they're going to want their cut of it. And so at, at some point, you know, th- there's going to be a way that that will be controlled as well because they just can't allow it to continue on uh, and not have some kind of control over it. So, uh, you know, but, yeah, that's funny that you said that. I, I said the same exact thing here recently talking about that uh, that one cryptocurrency that kind of the, the guy died and he died with the password. And that's kind of just just left it all. You know, when I was listening to your to your book i was thinking back uh michael snyder who runs the economic collapse blog uh he wrote a book a while back and one and one of the things about the book is you know it was the banking something happened with the banking industry but those that and, and it wasn't like a complete collapse as far as people not being able to to go to the bank it was more like a reset and those that didn't have uh, hard paper copies of their balances, you know, that couldn't go to the bank and say, wait, wait a minute. I, on this day, I had a balance of this, right? Um, then they completely lost everything. Do you recommend that people, uh, ask their banks to send them paper copies? 
I, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think they would accept anything like that. I think if it's gone, it's just going to be gone. I don't think they're going to give you anything back. The, 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 that's just not how they operate. Yeah. I, I just, that's one of the things that I, I remember is just like everybody's gone paperless. And if there was ever the kind of like things were wiped out, I mean, you would you would have nothing if you weren't downloading or printing out stuff on your own, or you know, you had any kind of records at all. But uh, yeah, it makes. I mean, if I'm Dave, if I'm Jamie Dimon, and you bring me you bring me your statement from yesterday that shows you put five point six million dollars in your account yesterday, right before close, and then the banks went dark this morning at eight fifty nine, right before we opened. I'm going to say, no, I'm sorry, because I don't have any way to prove that you didn't make some sort of a electronic funds transfer in the middle of the night and ship all that money over to, uh, you know, some some bank in Hong Kong. Yeah, true. I'm not going to give you anything (laughs) because that's just that's just the nature of how those people think and operate. And they're not going to trust you and they're not going to accept uh, a piece of paper that's unverifiable by their own system, even though their system no longer exists. And if they've got anything, they're going to sit on it and they're going to keep it and they're going to use it for their own resources. True, true, very so true. I, I, I don't, I don't even think I would expend any any time or energy in trying to collect those, keep up with those. Uh, like I said, the best thing you can do is, uh, you know, keep a nice little chunk of change outside of the system altogether. Um, I don't think dollars are going to be worth much for long, but uh, in the initial stages of any type of uh, catastrophic thing where you no longer have access to to currency, whether it's an EMP or a CME or a, uh, a massive cyber attack against the banking system, uh, dollars are going to be king for, you know, the first few days. Of course, you're going to you're going to have to deal with the chaos of the streets and risk getting shot in the head to go out and spend it. But, you know, if there's something that you forgot that now you realize you should have bought. Um, you know, maybe you'd still have that option for the first week or two. Yeah. So did you think about when you were writing this book, did you think about possibly the cyber threat coming in any other way other than the banking system? Did you consider like you were talking about the nuclear or the hydroelectric plants or anything like that? Or, or did you just go straight to the banking yeah, well, that's book one is the banking system, and then there's two more books. So, yeah, he can't really call it uh, cy- Cyber Armageddon, and the you know it was just the 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 one cyber attack, and then there's three more books called Cyber Armageddon, and nothing nothing happens as far as uh, computer viruses. So, oh man, uh, yeah. So there's 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 more stuff to come. More stuff to come. So yeah. you got us. You more got chaos. us up. <laughs> more, more thrilling apocalyptic chaos. Oh man! All right, looking forward to that. So you know, in the book, there was a few pieces of information the public had, including one, you know, the one whistleblower that he gets on CNN, right, and all that stuff, or or he gets on the news. I don't know if it's CNN or not, but uh, he gets on. He's a whistleblower. Um, you know, there's little bits of information that could have tipped off. People that were paying close attention, I would say like preppers that are paying very close attention 
that something was was about to happen or something was happening. You know, what would you if if you were someone looking at the the news or the alternative news or you know looking at all that kind of stuff, what would you be looking for in real life? Well, I watch out for uh, you know stories about things like like the WannaCry virus and of course the the root cause of that, which was the NSA tools that were leaked and uh, and obtained by the shadow brokers, which is you know one of those dark web uh, entities that will sell these tools to the highest bidder. And like I said before, we don't know what else they got. We don't know what else. Uh, you know, they they made a lot of the stuff. Most of those to, the the Eternal Blue and uh, Double Pulsar, which were the the uh, Windows based vulnerabilities that were made um, public. Those were basically sort of a uh, uh, just a proof of proof to say, hey, we've got these tools that were developed by the NSA, and we're going to give away these two things for free just to prove to everybody else out there that we've got more stuff and we're taking bids on that stuff. We don't know what those other things that were sold off are. This stuff could be out there right now. So, I mean, we've kind of already had that. We've already we've already had that whistleblower. We already know that it's out there. And, you know, uh, I think it was Janet Napolitano is the one that, 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 that coined the term Cyber 9-11. So... Uh, and of course, that's in reference to September 11th, 2001, right before you know when the when the World Trade Center was hit. On September 10th, it was business as usual. So we could literally be on the eve of Cyber Armageddon as we're recording this podcast. As you're listening to it, uh, folks in the audience, you know. There's no guarantee that you that you have tomorrow. This is something that could happen tonight. Uh, it's something that could catastrophically change the world tomorrow in a much bigger way than 9/11 ever did. Um, so uh, that news has already been put out there, and it's something that, like I said, James Clapper, uh, Janet Napolitano. Um, People that are in the know have already, Ted Koppel have already sounded the alarm to say, hey, this is something that could happen tomorrow that could change everything about the world that we know. Um, so, so I think we've already had that warning and, and I think that folks that have, that have listened, uh, have already heard it. And, uh, and, and so, we should have already been started taking the the action steps that you need to do to get prepared for this. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think, and I, I know that we could go off on on this topic and just kind of chase this rabbit, and I, I don't really want to. But just for the sake of the of the the listeners that are out there, I think that we are in a in a situation right now where people feel so comfortable that things are so good right now. You know, the good times are here again. And I, I've just seen it in the preparedness space where people are kind of backing off and like, you know, people have been talking about all this bad stuff happening and it's never happened. And, uh, you know, the, the Dow and all this kind of stuff, the stock market. But you know what? You know, Donald Trump is making everything great again. And so we have nothing to worry about. And because of that, there's going to be so many people that even because 
or even that they they knew that they should be prepared, but because they don't, they're not seeing it right now, or at least they're not seeing it, uh, they're not wanting to see it, how fragile we are, then they've kind of pulled back and stopped. And to me, that's one of the just the scariest things that people are, are out there that just think that things are fine, you know, when things are just, you know, it's kind of scary, uh, really scary. When you were in the book, when you were talking about, the things that were released in, you know, the what did you call them? The shadow brokers, uh, when, the, the, uh, the NSA uh, tools, hacking tools that were that were leaked to the shadow brokers. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. yeah I, this is a, so that's. I mean, that's all real stuff. That's all uh, from actual news headlines. Yeah. From, yeah. And I think that's, that's real great. world. Yeah, because you go into a lot. You go into more detail than you've done definitely here in the podcast talking about this and stuck snack and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But when during the, during the audible book, when I was listening to it and you hear the, okay, hey, these two tools were given away free, but there's more that kind of sent a little chill down my back, man. You know, it's like, wow, there, there's more stuff out there that, you know, here's just two things that we're going to give free. You know, this is just a, Hey, this is just a primer to let you know what's out there. There's, there's the nasty stuff. Is still to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man. and and it was and these are like I said, these are the tools that were developed by the best in the business, and you know we've all paid for the uh, research and development of them, and uh, and if the NSA can be hacked and those tools can be stolen, you know, do you think that the banks are secure? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're the best of the best, and and they were compromised. Whether it was whether it was human, you know, human error. Whether it was uh, somebody that was disgruntled that that leaked that stuff or whatever that can happen at a bank. You can have a disgruntled employee that works in the the IS control center that and deliberately it- shoves a flash drive into the mainframe and uh, and cripples the system because they're all online. With uh, with all the the electronic transfer systems and, and doing business with each other, and they've all got they've all got backdoor access from one bank to the other. So uh, if you get in one bank, you're in all of them. Well, in in reality, you know, I know that all the banks in 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 your book were were affected, uh, but in reality, you could o- you only really have to mess with one big bank. To have people panic and cause a run on the banks and freaking out, and uh, it might stabilize or whatever. But when people realize, hey, I can go to my online banking and, and my bank is good, but you know, it, it's enough to cause panic and get people acting crazy and stuff. So, man, yeah, it, it it's so it's so fragile out there in so many ways. We're just talking about one little way, but it can be fragile. So let, let's talk a little bit about preparedness. So the character, I love the character, Kate McCarthy. Uh, but, you know, the security uh, analysis, analyst, you know, she, she finds herself having to prepare and she gets these little, you know, these little, I don't know, things in, inside of her. It's like, hey, I, I need to prepare. I need to go get this. I need to get that. And she really has no real insight how to get started you know she she lucks out because she goes to a store where there's someone who is you know giving her information and hey you need to have you thought about this and have you thought about that and all that kind of stuff when you looked at her character when you were building her character 
Did you pattern that character after someone? Uh, no, not after anybody specific, just sort of after somebody that because of their station in life, they they get a little insight into uh, this this world global uh, structural change that's getting ready to happen and uh, and realize that, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to the grocery store after all of this happens. I'm not going to be able to go to the ATM and my credit cards aren't going to work. What does that mean? And how am I going to survive without those things? Yeah. So, so, I mean, someone who has a little bit of logic behind them can start making, you know, making those connections there. So, you know, in your opinion, what does it take for someone? I mean, I know the book. We have the book. There's definitely people that are, you know, I've talked about your book already plenty on the podcast. So I know that there's listeners who have already downloaded and, and read the book and stuff like that. But in your in your opinion, right, what does it take for someone to make that jump from a non-believer in preparedness to a believer? Um, just a, like a, a a grain of common sense. Either you could either have uh, uh, an understanding of history to uh, look at the catastrophic events in in history that have uh, shoved the globe into total and complete and utter upheaval or you could have a you know just the 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 slimmest understanding of uh the vulnerability of hyper complex systems such as uh the society that we live in particularly in the united states when you go to a third world country uh they're they're much more uh able to to deal with with crises than we are um, even developed developing nations, you know, or so to speak, second world countries like like Venezuela right now, where they're they're killing each other over food, you know. Um, but this would be going on for a couple of years. <laughs> America would have been a, would would have been uh, had a, suffered a ninety percent die off by the time we would have dealt with the things that's been going on in Venezuela for two years. You know, we would be in nowhere near as good of a shape as they're in. Um, but, you know, they're in bad shape, and that's that's an economic collapse, and that's socialism, and and, and that's what that brings about. Um, so you could either have the an understanding of, of, of history, you could have a understanding of the present, or you can have an understanding of the future of, uh, you know, the things that the uh, – prophetic things that the, the 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 bible said about you know what happens to nations that turn their back on god if you've ever read the bible cover to cover uh you'd have a pretty good idea of where america's going um so so basically anybody that that, that wants to pull their head out of the sand for five minutes and look around uh past present or future should uh be awake to the things we're talking about right here todd yeah definitely definitely so in, in the books that you've read or uh, you've written, excuse me, the, the books that you've written, they're so, you know, you've got so many different scenarios and, and you've, you know, I'm sure you've thought about all these different scenarios over and over again. You've done research. You know, what is when you think about this, how long do you think? And I know that this is just opinion, right? I don't know. Maybe you've you've come up on some research of of uh people that have done some some real analysis to this 
but how long do you believe it would take for things to really break down? I mean, in your just your opinion, or if you've done any research where you've come across some real hard analysis, you know, are we talking about 24 hours? Are we talking about a day? You know, what do you what do you think out there? I think there's a little bit of a sliding scale, and it's going to be very different depending on uh, your your locality. Um, I watched LA 92 not too long ago, which was a documentary about the LA riots and you know just how fast things broke down there. And of course, the what happened in LA is that the police became. Uh, overwhelmed and they were no longer able to deal with the situation. They had to pull back. Once that thin blue line goes back, we've got just a, a thick enough blue line to hold the animals back to keep uh, society function functioning as it is right now. But that's with that's with no extraneous extenuating circumstances. Um, once once you pour that onto the equation. And uh, things start to bubble over, and those folks are no longer able to do their job. Things get really bad in a hurry. So um, I, I think in really highly volatile cities like New York, Atlanta, Chicago, and L.A., uh, I think you'd have you'd have six hours less, certainly less than twelve hours um, in uh, in cities where things are more stable, uh, smaller cities. Um, things where you don't have so much uh, racial an- animosity already. It's not already such a powder keg, and, and people aren't already just sort of living on the, the edge of desperation. Um, you might have 24 hours, and then as you get out and into the, the, the more rural areas, you might have more like 48 to 72 hours. Um, but, uh, you know, the best plan is to be fully prepared and uh and uh when the balloon goes up don't leave your house you know unless you're going to a bug out property and then you want to be one of the first people on the road because uh, i live in florida and i've had to evacuate more than once from here i don't i don't live here full time i don't live in florida full time anymore but uh but uh we've certainly done our share of hurricane evacuations and you certainly want to be one of the first people on the road. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be in glid- gridlock traffic. And uh, and if people are desperate and doing desperate things, that's a really bad place to be. Um, and then I think that you're going to have the intensity is going to be different depending on whether you're in a, 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 a really population-dense area or not. Um, and when I when I say intensity, you know that you can measure that by several different factors. Uh, maybe one of the easier things to measure it. One of the easier uh, factors of of intensity we could look at would be like something like maybe like cannibalism, um, which that always happens anytime you have a, a complete and total collapse. Um, you know, it might be six weeks before people are eating each other in in L.A. and New York and. In uh, in Chicago, but uh, and then in in the more rural areas, that might be something that never happened because they were able to uh, sort of spin up food production and uh, and not have to to resort to those measures. But you know that's something that that happened uh, in the Book of Kings and in in the Bible, and it's something that's happened in uh, 
in in Europe when the after World War One, and uh, it's something that 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 uh, you don't even read about in a lot of po- apocalyptic books because. It's it's something that we don't even want to write about, much less read about. So, uh, but it's something that happens, and it's a reality, and uh, and and uh, it's one of those factors that shows how how intensity of a collapse is going to be very different uh, depending on on how populated of an area you're in. Very very true. I I agree with you know what you're saying there um, as far as the intensity goes. Now, you brought up faith a couple of different times. People on the podcast know that I'm a person of faith. I don't shy away from talking about my faith. Um, in all of your books, eventually there is there is a time, you know, this crisis brings on this time where uh, people start turning towards God. I mean, you've got people that are turning, you know, they never turn to God. They turn to their own selves and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, a lot of the times your character's, they turn towards God. Why do you think that is? Well, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, and most every post-apocalyptic situation you could throw at at somebody is uh, sort of they're going to be their equivalent of a foxhole where they're just getting shelled with stuff that, and they don't know if they're going to be alive uh, and half a, half an hour later. So. Um, I think that's realistic, and I think that there will be a, a a large amount of people that have never thought about God, and they've they've allowed their minds to be um, completely clouded out by by uh, by um, the deception of wealth and the worries and cares of this world, um, Christians included, uh, that that haven't really given it a lot of given uh, the Lord his uh, his due and, and and put the the time and effort to to get to know him uh, that are going to wake up when when they see that hey I might not have as long as I think on this earth and uh, and I think that that's going to be a a, a big uh, wake up call for a lot of people and, and definitely that hope. You know, that hope that the Lord brings and you puts inside of your heart to where you real you start realizing, you know what, this world is not all there is. Uh-huh. There is there is there's more, you know, when we breathe our last and we you know, when we close our eyes, when our brain fires one last time, there's there's something more, you know. And uh I, I just think that's so important. There's so many I I think, you know, because I talk about faith openly I get to hear from a lot of preppers who are Christians, and uh, that that is one of the things. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a driving force in in what we do. We we realize that we need to prepare because you know crisis can happen at any time. But the most important thing is that spiritual preparedness and and ha- and putting that in place and making sure that that's that's right because you could lose your life here, but you know you still gain everything. Uh, you know, in 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 eternity, you know, and so I, I appreciate that you write that way in your books. Now, let me come full circle because we started out on the podcast talking about your daughter, and so I want to kind of end it here uh, with this question: Being a father now, how important is preparedness to you? What I mean, what what has changed, and has it intensified for you? It's absolutely intensified, and uh, and to just go, and this kind of ties in with the same thing because, uh, um, you know, I, I 
everything I do for her, I, I do with the understanding of this is a gift that God's put in my life and, and I want to honor him and I want to, I want to train her up to show her, um, how to live a life that honors God. But in entertainment, there's very, very few choices for Christians. And, and I write these books from the standpoint of an assumption of, you know, this is how we live our life. My wife and I, we go to church, we read the Bible to our child, we pray before meals, we live our lives before God. You know, we, we live our lives as if we're going to have to give an account for him, for the way we've lived our lives. And, and this, this informs every decision that we make throughout our lives whether it's whether it's uh it's buying it's how we it's how we write our checks it's uh it's it's it de- it defines how we we manage debt we do all of this stuff uh, according to the principles that that we've gleaned from reading the bible and when you look at modern entertainment today whether it's netflix or 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 prime video or cbs or fox or any of the Hollywood movies out there, all of the television shows and most of the books, they all act like there's absolutely no God. Nobody on the planet believes there's a God. Nobody goes to church. Nobody prays. Nobody reads their Bible. And God is not thought of by any of the characters in any of these shows or any of these means of entertainment. And that's just not us, and it doesn't represent us. And so there's there's very, very little representation of our culture and our values in entertainment. And so I want to provide that for for people that live their lives the way we do, because we go to church with, with people that think like we think, that believe what we believe, that live their lives the way we live. And, and we talk to people, and I know we're not the only ones. There are other people out there that 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 – what they learn from the Bible dictates how they live their life, and and it's actually a bigger part of the population than 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 people think, and it's certainly a much bigger prop, uh, portion of the population than is represented by the entertainment industry as a lo- as a whole. So, um, you know, you know that's Mark, one of the things I try to do is is to represent our culture. In that Let, as well. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but you know, w- w- along those lines, I know Jan Markell had um, a podcast not too long ago where she talked about that, where she felt she's she's hearing from people, Christians, that feel like they're all alone, that they're all by themselves, that they have, you know, that there's no one else uh, around. But it's that perception because everything that gets thrown at you is this is the way it is, this is the way it is. But like you said, there are a lot of Christians out there because we hear we hear from them. I know you hear from them. I hear from them as well. Like feeling like sometimes you're alone. Not only are you alone in the the idea of being prepared, but you feel like you're alone in in your faith. But there's more people than you realize that are out there, and and that's evident because how popular your books are, man. And so it's really good to to hear you say that. So. You know, that's one of the things, I guess, from what I'm hearing you say is you're wanting to write and you're wanting to provide this because you have a daughter that's going to you're raising and you want her to have some options, some Christian options, you know, to be able to read and 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 experience some entertainment. 
so different than what the world has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to write stories that show this is normal. You know, we're not abnormal. We're not weird. You know, this is normal. And even when it becomes abnormal, we're still going to do it because we're not living for this world. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's very well said. Very well said. All right. So uh, I'm looking at Amazon Cyber Armageddon Rise of the Locust uh, has 140 five star reviews right now, man. So uh, if you haven't got the book, you got to go. You got to go get it. You can get it in Kindle, audiobook, and paperback. But for the listeners who, because like I said, I've been talking about your your book now for a while. Uh, I was very lucky to have like a, a week uh, where I was I was able to just kind of plow through and listen to it big chunks at a time. So throw us a bone for Cyber Armageddon book two. Give us a little a little teaser to get us prepared for that book. Yeah, so uh, Kate has uh, survived the catastrophic collapse of the entire banking system due to this uh, this computer virus that's uh, that's infected all of the the, the banks around the country. Uh, it turns out that they've infected everything in the world, uh, so it's global, um, and uh, the government, as they as they do, uh, they they come out with a, a solution, but uh, it's a very very short lived solution. And we find out that there's another wave of computer viruses that's uh, that's going to be striking at U.S. infrastructure, and uh, they're going to go from the proverbial frying pan into the fire. So uh, it's only going to get tougher from Kate. I, I would never want to be a character in any of my books. They just, <laughs> Me neither, man. They don't have an easy time of it, those poor souls. Uh, and uh, it should be out in the middle of March. March, okay. So that's not too far away. Right. Uh, and so and really book three should be out uh, this summer. So uh, trying to not make folks wait too long for those. Okay. The, the awesome. Yeah, I, I I love the um the person you have reading, you know, for Ava, the 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 series on Ava and then on this one again. Are you ever going to go back to um the, is it Kevin Pierce? Yes. Ever... Yeah, yeah, okay. he'll be the the series that'll be coming out um either either late this in uh in in 2019 or or early 2020 will be a Read by Kevin Pierce and for the audiobooks, and uh, it will be a male protagonist. And uh, I'm going to be revisiting uh, one of the themes that's that's so near and dear to my heart, which is uh, the economic vulnerabilities of America. That's just that's kind of the thing that that, that got me started prepping. Uh, I think it's the it's the one threat that is absolutely baked in. Uh, I think the only way we could possibly avoid a uh, a complete and total economic meltdown in this country at some point is uh, is for it to be circumvented by something else like a CME, EMP, or massive cyber attack. So uh, <laughs> the only things that could save us from an economic collapse are probably far worse than the, the collapse itself. So uh, uh. it's not good. And uh, and so I'll, I'll be revisiting that theme uh, for that book and that that series uh um be called black swan no we'll be we'll be looking forward to that one too so if someone wants to connect with you of course they can purchase all your your books on amazon audible 
But if they wanted to connect with you in Prepper Recon, um, where would they go? Yep, go to PrepperRecon.com, and uh, like I said, if you've never started prepping or uh, if you're not real sure about uh, if you've got everything in place that you need to, or if you're having a little trouble prioritizing, because like you said, sometimes when you wake up to this stuff, it's just so overwhelming, and you just don't know where to start, and what a lot of people do is they just walk away from it altogether because they think that I could never do that. There's too many things to do. Um PrepperRecon.com, like I mentioned earlier, the very top of the home page is a, a banner that says, click here for your free PDF and uh, click that, fill out your your email in that, and I'll email you a free copy of the 7 Step Survival Plan. And what that does is it gives you little baby steps to get a little bit more prepared today than you were yesterday. And it does it, and it prioritizes things so that you don't run out ahead and get yourself in trouble in in uh, in, in one area without first getting the the basics squared away. Um, one of the first things I'll talk about in that book is making sure making sure that you're spiritually prepared because this is going to be a very uh, catastrophic thing that a lot of folks are just not going to be able to deal with it emotionally if they don't have their heart right with God and they don't have that that uh, that secure relationship with their creator um, the other thing that I'll talk about in there is uh, is uh, you know are you physically in shape because if you can't get off the couch you know you don't have too much of a chance of surviving the apocalypse you know um, every year Every winter, we have people that are killing over dead because uh, they get out and uh, they have a big snowstorm. They either have to shovel snow off their roof because the the weight of the snow is going to cave in their roof if they don't shovel it off, or just shoveling the driveway so they can get out of the driveway. And uh, they kill over and have heart attacks because they haven't done anything except uh, sit on the couch and eat potato chips since last winter. And so now they're just not in the shape for for that type of manual labor. And uh, and the apocalypse is going to have a lot of manual labor and it's going to be very intense so you need to be uh physically fit for that and then uh you're going to need the skill so you need to be mentally fit and then after you take care of all of that you want to make sure that you got your finances in order because like i said the number one threat i think we're facing right now is financial and the best way you can you can uh hedge yourself for that is to have your own financial house in order um and then once we get all that stuff out of the way then we can start start talking about all the sexy uh prepper stuff the beans the bullets and the band-aids and and then we get into all of that and like i said we try to keep it prioritized and try to keep it all uh reasonable and 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 do it with common sense so uh i do hope folks will go over there once again prepperrecon.com sign up for that for free and i'd love to send it to you awesome awesome a lot of great things so that that is over at prepperrecon.com that's the top banner click on that and uh subscribe and you'll get the ebook right is that correct? correct Awesome. All right. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit about cybersecurity with us and uh, freaking us all out a little bit more than we already are. But we do appreciate it, and we appreciate what you're doing out there for the preparedness community. Todd, thanks again so much for having me. All right, man. God bless. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark Goodwin of Prepper Recon and this topic about cybersecurity. 
I think it's an important topic. Hey, it's a, it's a new world. We're living in a new world and we need to be aware of this topic. You know, we're aware of so many other topics, SHTF, food storage, items, gear, all that kind of stuff. But this is another one that we really need to be aware of as well. So uh, hopefully it was very valuable for you. I'd love to hear your feedback in the comment section. I make that very easy for you in the show notes. You can come on over to episode 520 and drop me a line. Don't forget to go check out Mark Goodwin's uh, website, PrepperRecon.com. And if you don't have the book yet, remember you can get it in Audible uh, or through Audible, Kindle, or the paperback or version. It is uh, all, all of Mark's books are very entertaining, and they always have that extra, you know, that prepper uh, information in there as well. That uh, you just always learn something. So hopefully you'll uh, you'll go check those out on Amazon as well. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 520. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.